We're coming toward the end of uh, Deuteronomy, and this is Moses' last speech, and he prepares them for the transition uh, that he will be leaving them, Joshua will be leading in the future. And this is what he says in the first verse of chapter 31. Then Moses spoke these words to all of Israel. He said, I am now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you will not cross over the Jordan, but God, the Lord himself will cross over before you and will destroy your enemies and give you possession of their land. And Joshua will also cross over before you as the Lord has said. He will do to your enemies what God did to Og and Sion, the king of the Amorites, whom he completely destroyed along with their land. So when he gives them to you, you are to do exactly as I command you. Now be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Or afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Thanks. T.S. Eliot once observed, April is the cruelest month. Breeding lilacs from the dry ground, mixing memory and desire, stirring uh, the ground with spring rain. Well, I beg to differ with Mr. Elliot this morning. I think May may be the cruelest month. For May is a month of changes. May is a month of transition. We've already noted that this morning, that May is a month of graduations for seniors from high school, for seniors uh, from college. And then May is uh, the last month normally for students in their current grade in school, and it marks a transition as they're promoted and, and they go on to another grade, a new grade, or maybe even to another and unfamiliar school. And those of us who hang around the church sanctuary know that May uh, really marks the beginning of uh, the wedding season. And sometimes uh, two or more weddings might even be held at our church in a given weekend. These are changes, and most of them are good changes, but that doesn't make them easy. Change is hard. Change is hard because, first of all, no matter how good the change, uh, change always involves loss. It involves an ending to what you were doing and a moving toward the beginning of something else. So even the best change involves some sort of uh, difficulty because of what you no longer have. Uh, having uh, a senior in the house this year, you know, I've been thinking in recent weeks when I'll drive or go someplace or we'll do something, I'll think, well, you know, this is the last time. We're going to do this. Three different times I thought this is the last time I'm going to drive up to the school, but I found myself there again uh, for some reason. But you start to think about, about the change involved, and part of that change involves a, a loss of your identity. You know, I've always thought of myself as a father of three sons, sons who are engaged in certain activities, whether it be athletics or academics or, or whatever, and, and that's no longer the case. Uh, William Bridges, more than 15 years ago, an English professor, of all things, wrote a book about change. And he talked about change kind of in three parts. And he said change is a matter of endings, and then it becomes a matter of new beginnings. But he said between the endings and the new beginnings, there's this transition phase. And basically what he says is, is change isn't that bad. It's the transitions that are really tough. It's not what you're going to do or where you're going to. It's the unknown in between. It's as if you left in a boat a safe harbor behind you. 
and you're sailing toward land that you cannot yet see. And what you have is an open and unfamiliar sea in between. It is the transitions that make change so difficult. And when we come upon Israel and Joshua this morning, they are facing a period of transition. A transition in leadership. For 40 years, Moses has led them. Led them to freedom out from under the grip of the uh, most powerful man on the planet, the Pharaoh of Egypt. Led them through um, an unknown territory, through the wilderness, through the desert, uh, through periods of thirst and periods of famine. And led them when they were attacked by cruel uh, enemies. Moses had been there for 40 years. He would be there no longer. There would also be another transition from a time of wandering for 40 years. You know, camping, I guess, is fun for a while, but for 40 years straight. And so now they can actually move across and build homes for themselves and raise their own crops. But even that's a transition because this place where they're going to build their homes is already occupied by other people. And it means that God will no longer rain down food from heaven as they will be called upon to grow their own. They face a period of transition and transitions are hard. Even when they're to something that seems good or or better, they're still difficult. And so this is what Moses says, that the one thing they need during this transition is courage. A number of times he will say to them, both in Deuteronomy and then in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, he will say, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. It is courage more than anything else that will take you through the difficult land of transition involved in life change that you might go through. And I think Churchill would agree. You'll remember one of Churchill's most famous quotes that the first of all human qualities was courage. Because it's courage, he said, that will uh, secure and make all the other qualities uh, available to you. In the same way, we might say it's courage that's going to open the door to that unknown future toward which we are walking when we go through a transition. We will all need courage. And think about it. It does take courage because transitions are difficult. Even if you're just graduating from preschool. I mean, think of the courage it takes to go from half-day school to all-day school. If you're promoted from one school to another, what courage it must take to go to a school where you've never been before. And maybe to eat lunch or be with people that you don't remember you weren't with them last year. What courage it must take to move from high school where you've been under the same roof probably for a number of years with people who generally uh, tell you what to do, when to do it, and make sure that you did it. To another roof many miles away with people that you haven't met before and no one there to check on you and hold your hand. It takes courage. And even if you graduate from college or high school and you move into a job, you're fortunate enough to make that transition. Difficulty there as well. Because it always takes some time to learn a new job or a new task. We've tried to tell our other two sons who have moved into the job world that there's a learning curve that goes with any job. And every day you get up and go to work in a new job and you are what we might say the edge of your competence. You know, every day brings to you something you haven't seen before. Some challenge that you have not yet successfully navigated as you go into this new task. It takes courage to go to a new job. 
It takes courage. If you've been married 30, 40, or 50 years to wake up in the morning and not have that person in bed beside you. It takes courage when you've always been identified as the husband of, or the wife of, or the father of, or the son of. And there's a death that changes all that. And even those who get married this summer at our church will face their own transitions that will call for courage. When you suddenly wake up one morning and realize that what you want to do this day is not the only thing to consider. Or when you one day come home from the hospital with a baby in your arms and you get home and the baby starts to cry and there's no call button. And it's just you, your spouse, the baby. It's hard. It takes courage. So my question I would set before us today is simply this. Where do you get the courage to face life's inevitable transitions? Well, the answer you expect me to give and the answer that the children give and the right answer is, of course, God. But how does God give us that courage? Listen carefully to Moses. Moses said, God, the Lord God himself, will go before you and will destroy your enemies and give you possession of the land. And then in his next sentence he says, and Joshua will also cross over before you. I believe that one of the ways that God gives us courage to face transitions in life is to send us people who have already made that transition. I believe one of the great gifts of God in life is that we never go through something that somebody somewhere hasn't gone through before. Even our young children, our kindergartners, they get a tour of the new school before they get there. The fifth graders go over to the junior school. We try to pair them up with other people who know the way. Maybe the most successful transitions from one school to another are made when you have a sibling that's already been there. But how often God will speak to us and reach down to us by somebody who's walked that way. If they're wise at work, they'll make sure someone mentors you. Someone will check on you with the task, maybe even walk through it with you the first few times. Have someone go that way before? And when the baby's crying and you don't know what to do, there are your parents. And they went through the same thing when you were a child. One of the ways God blesses us is to give us people who've made that leg of the journey that we're now on. And God sends us those people to help us navigate, to encourage us, which simply means literally give us courage. Uh, my oldest son, we dropped off at, at college years ago, and it was 400 miles away, six hours. And I remember distinctly the way home that, that this transition was so great for us that my wife and I didn't even talk for six straight hours, just made quietly the drive home. Funniest thing happened. The next day when I showed up at work, I got a phone call, and the voice on the other end of the phone was the man that had mentored me when, and, men, uh, and had watched over me and Pam when we were at Duke, 1,500 miles away from home. He had helped to navigate us through the first three years of marriage and life together. But what was interesting was this. I had just walked 
into my office wondering who's going to look after what will happen to my firstborn 400 miles away from home. And I get a call from somebody who had watched over me when I was 1,500 miles from home. This is what happened. He had just moved to a new church as pastor in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And for some strange reason, their church library collected church directories with pictures in them. Don't know how or why. Maybe they have a bad case of insomnia among their members. But they're there. And so he's just looking in his new church and library, comes across these directories, pulls one off the shelf, and it's Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. We've not talked in about six years. I've lost his address. He's lost mine. But on the first page, he finds my picture. He finds our phone number and calls me that very morning. I will never forget that. Because it was a way of God saying, now look, I sent someone to you when you were in an unknown land. That's the way I work. I'm still working that way. It's going to be okay. And I think part of the message of encouragement is this, that God sends us people to give us courage when we're on new and difficult transitions, and that God may in fact be calling many of us to encourage others who are walking a path that we have already walked. Sometimes we are the receivers of the courage, and sometimes we're the givers of courage. But the one qualification is that we're willing to do it and we've been that way. And I think that's one of the ways that God gives us courage. And not the only way, but one way to say, look, Joshua's going ahead of you. He's going to get there first and then you'll follow. It's real interesting about this River Jordan. I don't know if you realize this, that in, in Moses' day, there were lots of different gods that people worshipped. People like the Canaanites would have different gods based on their locality, uh, their geographical region. And one of the beliefs about gods was that gods couldn't cross certain geographical boundaries. It wasn't that these, uh, in our mind, false gods didn't have power uh, to the people, but the people believed their power was limited. And so it was quite surprising when the God of Israel could actually come over to Egypt and, and work some stuff there and then cross the Red Sea back again. But one of the things Moses' people had to be wondering as they got to this river Jordan was, can he cross that? Can he do anything on the other side of this, in this place we've never been before? Can he cross that barrier? And of course we know. Just a river. It's not going to stop our God. Few enemies in an unknown land. Not going to stop our God. Do you know there's no territory that we can walk into that our God has not already been there and claimed for us? Any place we go, God has already been. God is both with us and before us. So we find God helping us cross, but also amazingly on the other side to meet us as well. And it goes for any barrier, any difficulty, in any situation in our life. I don't know what difficult transitions you may face, but I know every one of you is facing some kind or another. I've watched people face the difficulty of health failing. I've watched people face the difficulty of losing a loved one. I've watched people face the difficulty of losing a job. I've watched people face the difficulty of losing a relationship. And I want to tell you, if I had to describe this congregation in a word from what I see day in, day out, 
all year round. The word I would pick for you is courageous. I mean, the stuff that you face and you go through is amazing. But you do it because none of you go alone. You have each other who've gone, many have gone through before, and you have a God on the other side. Well, when I face a difficult transition, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I'll ask myself when I'm facing that transition, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, as I go into this, with a new job or new relationship or some, something's changed at home, what's the worst that can happen? And you know what I always come up with? It doesn't have to be your answer, but the, the answer I always come up with is, I could die. I mean, it doesn't seem to add up, does it? Send a, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Send your last child to college. I could die. doesn't add up, but I think like that. It's like, you know, the worst thing I could think of that could happen in any situation. And then I go, really? Is that the worst? I mean, what if I knew someone who had actually gone down that path? What if I knew someone who had actually been that way before me? What if I knew someone who had not only been that way before me, but had gone there and come back? What if I knew someone for whom death was no more than a shallow river like the Jordan? What if? What if I knew someone who was not only with me, but always going before me in life, in death, and in life beyond death? I knew someone like that. And we do. We could be courageous.